Hey everybody, welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast, designed to give you the inside scoop on life in and around our church. Here's our host for today's episode and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, glad you're joining in today to uh, what is a really special conversation for me with someone who I wish I could spend more time with, but they seem to live too far away. So out on the West Coast, I want to welcome Jason Ballard today. Jay, uh, say hi to everyone. Oh man, it is great to be here with you. I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, I you're the kind of person that I'd love to be able to enjoy a cup of coffee with, talk about life and church and ministry, learn from you. And so this is at least a good excuse to get us together on the same Zoom room and start that conversation. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to pretend like we're having a coffee right now and uh, just let everyone sit in on that. Um, before we do, though, uh, Jason, just give us a bit of a background on you as a person. Uh, sure. You know, family life, personal background, yeah. faith journey, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I live in Vancouver. I grew up in the suburbs of Vancouver and my wife and I, with our three kids, moved into the city about two years ago. Um, and the purpose of that move was to plant a church. And so we just planted a new church called The Way in September 2020. And, you know, like <laughs> people do, you do all the like pre-work. And so we released that date like maybe two years before and had no idea that that would mean launch in the middle of a pandemic, but it's just been a beautiful journey. So one building block of my life is uh, leading the church. I do that with some really close friends. We leave that together. And then obviously life with kids and home with Rach and the kiddos is a big part of my life. And then we uh, lead a ministry called the Canadian Church Leaders Network, which really is um, just trying to create resources and content and conversations that serve pastors in Canada, uh, similar to what this reflects, which is why I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, and then up until like the last 10 years, a big part of my life has been work with Alpha Canada and um, really, really love the work of Alpha. Even when I was in high school, I kind of got called into ministry and my experience in a really unique way. Uh, I didn't know I was being called to ministry. I started doing ministry type stuff and it was, strangely was connected to Alpha. And so to land there and to be able to do meaningful work with them for the better part of the last decade uh, is so special to me. So there's some of the building blocks in my life. That's great. And I think the time or two that we met uh, was in that alpha zone uh, at mm. a conference that uh, we were both attending through our good mutual friend, Shayla Visser. So yeah. we'll uh, credit her for making that connect. Um, I want to dive in and uh, first of all, talk about your church, because I'm sure that's a huge uh, area of passion for you. So you've been on, you've been involved for the last couple of years. Uh, in this church called The Way. And yeah. uh, given that I just released a book called Finding Our Way, I'm kind of a fan of referring yeah, yeah. to following Jesus as the way. So it only makes me like you more. Um, <laughs> t tell us everything about the sure. heart behind the church and kind of where you planted it, why you planted it, what's been going on, what's God been doing. Oh, thanks for asking. So we launched September 2020. So we just celebrated a year. In fact, we forgot, like sometimes... Uh, people do like a good solid Instagram post on the one year. And I think that's awesome. We forgot. We were just, we just, <laughs> we just blew right past it. We didn't say anything on the Sunday morning. And I guess the reason why is because when we launched September, 2020, like I'll just take you back. So go with me in your imagination to March, 2020. I'm always getting these years wrong, 2020. Yeah. And so that's when the pandemic hit, right? When, when yeah. we experienced the first lockdown, uh, pandemic was happening around the world, but we experienced the first real waves of lockdown in Canada. And so as part of pre-launching, the church, we were doing with small groups meeting around the city. We started our first alpha 
And it was so special, man. Like we rented this church building and it wasn't big. It was like maybe 20 people, but there was guests there. It was so special because we wanted to bake into the DNA of our church, this invitational culture. And it was happening. Like people were inviting their friends and making bold, yeah, bold invitations. And just the sense that, oh, wow, this is actually working in the city of Vancouver. You know, we want to reach people far from God and people who'd walked away from the church. And, and then I remember like week three of Alpha, we, the restrictions hit. And then we had that moment of being like, we got to shut this whole thing down. And it happened really quick for us. It was like in a 24 hour window, we realized this whole thing's shutting down. And while people had been saying it might just be a month or two, it, I think we kind of had this hunch, like many people would have looking at the global scene, like this isn't going anywhere. And it was just kind of this decision of like, we're going forward with it. And so we took alpha online. That was our first sort of like pivot to online. And I remember after the alpha weekend, when a young guy gave his life to Jesus and I realized like, okay, ministry is going forward in this crazy time. And that actually became like, I think our resolve to plant was galvanized because of the pandemic, because of the sense of urgency, sense of need in our city, sense of despair and believing that Jesus really is like hope for the hopeless. And so, and the, and why we plant in the first place, I mean, it was just like one of those things that kind of bubbled up in my heart over a decade. Um, and, and really thought to myself, no, I don't need to plant a church. Like I think because I really believe that one of the big tasks for the church in Canada right now is the question of revitalization and leadership succession. So I actually thought actually the, the best thing I could do to steward my life would be to wait in the wings, to serve a senior leader, and then to come in at the right time and be a successor. I think that's really important for anyone listening who's in that second or third chair serving faithfully. I mean, this is one of the great tasks of our time is like, there's going to be a great baton passing from boomers to, in some case, Gen Xers, in lots of cases, millennial leaders. Um, but then just this kind of growing desire grew in my heart. And what was unique is that desire uh, brought me into relate, like into conversation with two really good friends, Chris Price and Jeremy King. And we realized that God was calling us together. So actually three of us planted together. So Chris left his job. He was leading a church. He was at a church for 15 years, 10 years as a lead pastor. Jeremy was leading the young adult ministry at a church in Langley called Christian Life Assembly. And I was working with Alpha and at a local church. And we felt called to plant together, which is a crazy story. And tons of dynamics involved with sorting out the leadership structure involved. Because it's like really nice for everyone to say, we planted as a team. But the, the mechanics of that matter deeply. Um, but it's been grace for me. It's been God's grace. And I think the, one of the graces on our church is this call to do it as a team, complementing giftings, um, expressed in a variety of ways. What would you say that God's been doing most uniquely through the planting of the way in the past year? Like what's sort of the thing that, yeah. that in a sense differentiates you to sure. draw in these uh, unchurched or maybe dechurched people in the Vancouver area? Oh man, I think there's like, I think in some ways we're, we're reaching back more than we're reaching forward. Like I believe in innovation, but I don't think there's anything innovative of what we're doing. I think what we're doing is trying to reach back in a way that, anchors people like so we i know i'm a i'm charismatic i believe in spiritual gifts so we do prayer ministry we're praying for healing but we're also doing liturgical readings and focusing on communion and we want to do great worship that's engaging but we want to do um we teach long form because scripture is not simple sometimes and so we will do long form teaching and almost purely expositional preaching and so there's this weird sense of like 
I don't, I don't feel like we're trying to be innovative. We're trying to be like really honest. Like we talk a lot about showing the work. We talk about clarity over cool or clarity. Um, yeah. Clarity over cool. Like if we can invite people into something that's clear and they can wrestle with it and there's an honesty and authenticity involved. Um, but trying to really anchor ourselves in a story. That's one, one of the reasons we call ourselves the way is like, this is, this is what they called the first Christians or the people of the way. And we're not new. God's been at work in Vancouver for a long time. We're just trying to get caught up in what he's doing. A few things I think that have been maybe uniquely special where we've seen like God's hand on it is we really talk a lot about empowering lay leaders and really asking the question, like, what would it look like to see people who are not on staff really lead? And that has been a great adventure. And I feel like some of the sweetest stuff happening in the life of our church is actually happening in the life of small groups. And so our small group leaders, and I, I love to chat about the small group model. We board so the best of a few different churches that we admired. But the people who lead each small group are pastors. And we have a cohort of 20 pastors who lead the 20 small groups in our church. And um, they live the lifestyle of a pastor. They, um, they really, they're the front line of defense for discipleship and pastoral care for the people in their small group. And so that's a really sweet spot. And um, it's so messy whenever you do stuff like that. But that's the stuff that's most exciting for me. And mm. the best stories are coming actually out of small groups. Um, even just this last weekend, um, you know, as we're recording this, we, we just finished Thanksgiving and um, seeing all these pictures of people doing Thanksgiving dinners around tables all over the city was just really powerful for me. Like, you know how hard we work as pastors to plan events. And I'm like, I couldn't have put on an event as beautiful as any of these number of houses being filled with people and then faces I didn't recognize because like the table is this really powerful space for invitation. And so some of the best invitational work, some of the best stuff is not even happening at Alpha and I'm a big Alpha fan. It's happening in the life of these small groups. And so that's pretty special. Hmm. Knowing that you've lived in these kind of parachurch and sort of broader ministries, Alpha and Canadian Church Leaders Network, both of which I want to talk about in this conversation. What is it about local church work that draws you, that draws you there? It's the stuff, man. I, uh, <laughs> it's the stuff. Here's, here's what it is. I think, okay. And I was essentially an itinerant speaker, meaning I was, I was rooted in a local church, but I was traveling and speaking most of the year, uh, for the last number of years. And I was teaching the Bible and I was trying to teach faithfully to scripture, but I like, I think that itinerant speakers and I'm, I am, I was one, uh, we're trouble. Like, because the moment you become a pastor, you realize just how messy the discipleship journey really is. Mm. And uh, like, you know, between services, like the stuff I'm, we're dealing with on a Sunday between the morning service and the evening service is like really messy in the lives of people's stuff. And again, I'm being a bit cheeky about the itinerant speaker. I think they're a great blessing when someone can come in and give a message. But there's a temptation uh, when you're in the parachurch space to oversimplify the discipleship journey, to to kind of like, sand the edges off it, but it's so messy. It's so non-linear. It's not oversimplified. So I love my work with Alpha. I still do a lot of work with Alpha and we're trying to support churches do evangelism. But even in my own church, implementing Alpha is not even close to as simple. It's more beautiful. It's more dynamic. Uh, it's more real, but it's way messier, way more complicated, way more human than any of the training I ever wrote for Alpha. And so that's been kind of a cool experience. And it's like for you, who's been a pastor for a number of years, you're like, of course, like that's what, that's what we all know that we're in pastoral ministry. And it's like one of those things, like when someone tells you, like you, you know, when you have a kid, it's going to change your world, you know, it's true, but then you experience it and you go, wow, like you didn't know how much you didn't know. And I feel that way leading the church, just how messy and beautiful and dynamic 
And, you know, you spend time with hurting people and you watch people make decisions and it doesn't make sense. And then you see God break through in unexpected places and you're like, man, it's so tempting to oversimplify, whether it's the evangelism journey or the discipleship journey or church growth books, like they're fun to read, um, but it's just not how it plays out on the ground. And that's, that's the, that's the beauty of it, I think. I, I, yeah, I think you're, you're making some really wise and astute comments there, knowing you know, how many people tend to live in the armchair quarterback seat yes. of how churches should work. And yeah, it's so much more complicated and customized and nuanced and personalized and nonlinear, all the words that you're using. Like it's, it's yeah, I, I, and it probably takes a certain species of person to, to resonate with that. And that seems yeah. to, to draw you in. Um, Jason, before we get off the topic of your, your local church, uh, just a couple more questions. Um, sure. One would be like, what's, what's your party line or what's your response to mm. people uh, either in your community or kind of around the Vancouver area who are giving up on the church or who mm. have given up on it? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, those are some, those are some of my friends, you know, <laughs> that's almost you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there's lots of reasons for it. Um, I feel sorrow about it. I have lots of thoughts. Um, I think that I'll just use, try to use an anecdote. I, um, I'm like been out of high school for about f- over 15 years now. And, uh, I remember like I would, I really lived out my faith loudly in high school um, in, a, in an appropriate way. I'm really thankful for the way God even led me as a high school student. Like I just was like really like my faith was central and we did outreach and prayer groups in our public school. And, and there were people in high school that, you know, made fun of me or thought it was whatever who I'm running into 15 years later. And it's just amazing how time and faithfulness and consistency tell a better story. Um, and just how redemptive even some of the stuff that I just would have known I no idea 15 years ago when I was in high school. Um, some of the fruit that would you'd see, like I run into someone in the Vancouver, like an hour away from the high school that I went to, run into a friend from high school at the park, and conversations about faith emerge. Why? Because they remembered that stuff back there. People had no interest, or maybe made fun of me for it in high school. And and I guess the reason why I share that is just when I think about the walking away from the church, I'm of the mind that our best response as followers of Jesus who want to stay grounded in the church is, is to remain faithful, to let the fruit of our life show, to not go on PR campaign for the church, even though I'm really tempted to do it. Um, but to, I really believe with my whole heart that we experience God's power in the context of his community, which is the local church mm. and his work in our life. It's the best place. And so it's imperfect. It's messy. And I, I'm really, maybe what I'm saying is I'm really optimistic that, Faithful presence um, and faithfulness of the church will tell a profound story, um, even for those who are walking away. And I'm just optimistic that for some people who may be walking away, um, I think that some people need to like, that some of the underpinnings of their faith need to be wrestled with and they might come back and they might return back into church community. I really hope for that. Um, but there's a lot of wrestling right now. I think it's it's not very simple. I think there's a big, uh, I don't know if you've read much like of Charles Taylor or like the secular age or, um, but I think there's just some fundamental shifts in the way that humans experience faith 
the way humans experience the good life, the way humans experience even authority structures that have so shifted that the waters we're swimming in. I think Mark Sayers says we're not such as complicated, it's complex. We move from a complicated system to complex systems. And I think the reason why people are leaving the church are very complex. It's not just the simple thing. I think the whole cultural milieu that people are experiencing life in feels completely incompatible with the church. And I really think 10 years from now, there will be a looking back and people going like, oh man, I find myself back longing for some of the strength of community. And hopefully through it though, the church grows and is sharpened and refined. I think that there is a refining happening um, and the Lord's using it. But anyways, those are a lot of meandering thoughts mm. that I I hope you can no, make that's some great. sense out of. I mean, your answer, the, the, the greatest takeaway I scribbled down was use words only if necessary. <laughs> You don't have a canned elevator speech. It's actually no, through I, the slow and steady faithfulness and consistency over time that people who, you know, whether they've given up or deconstructing or whatever, that they're going to all of a sudden discover again the faithfulness of God through the local mm. church and the body of Christ. So that's 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 powerful. One, one thing I would add is as a pastor um, in the room I'm in right now, I sit, this is like a shared space where we could take meetings and calls like this and there's lots of conversations happening in this room, whether it's me and someone from our church or someone from the city. Um, pastor Chris, who's the other pastor at my church, he is incredibly gifted mind. And he spends a lot of time helping people process questions around sexuality, the Christian ethic on sexuality, the Christian ethic on um, money, the Christian ethic on authority. And in there's there's a place, there's a real place for a response. I'm, I really do believe it, but it's just so varied. And what I found is like, until you've really sat with someone for a long time and heard out their quote unquote reason, like there's some great resources on deconstruction stuff out there. But I, I've just found like, there's a place for the work. There's a place for the long conversations, you know, to create a defense and it's even plead. Like, I want to urge you to like, don't give up on this community because you care for them. You love for them, love them. Um, but each story feels so unique right now. And sometimes people are, are reasoning because leaving for intellectual reason. I sat with someone this week who was just really, really anxious over like vaccine stuff. And I know that's a hot topic, um, but we just opened, uh, he was worried about like Mark of the Beast stuff. And so we said, let's look at the Bible together. Let's open it up. Let's look at Revelation 13, 14. And by the end of the conversation, so much of the anxiousness and stress that walked into the room had gone away. Not, not, not every conversation is like that, but it was really special just to experience like, oh, and this is why I joked about the itinerant speaker. The itinerant speaker doesn't know, like that doesn't have to do that conversation. <laughs> yeah, and then the exactly. next one and get the angry email. It all happens in such, it's such a localized, contextualized way. And it's why we needed lay pastors to go back to what we said earlier. It's like, mm. oh, we don't have enough time in the week and I'm not even uniquely qualified to help everyone. But if we can mobilize lay people who can be in the lives of 10 to 15 people, then I think we got a shot at having those one-on-one -on -one type journeys. Um, Again, it never goes as, as clean as that described model, but that's yeah, the vision. Yeah. Hey, I know that Shayla would be mad at us if we didn't talk about Alpha for a few minutes. So given that you invested- I don't want to make Shayla mad. In there, no, we, neither of us do, believe me. Um, <laughs> what is it that, um, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but we celebrate Alpha across all of our yeah. locations as well. And uh in small groups and, and mid-sized experiences, short-term group kind of environments, and have seen God in a bunch of different forms do really awesome stuff. In your context, you know, hmm. why do you believe in this so strongly? What, what is it about Alpha that is so effective in helping people understand the gospel and discover Jesus? Yeah. So context, 
you know, for those that don't know, so I worked for Alpha for 10 years. Um, the Alpha Film Series, the Alpha Youth Series, like that was, those were, that was, you know, I worked with the team to help write and create those. A lot of the training, the digital platform. So Shayla was my boss and we worked very closely together with Alpha Canada, Alpha, Alpha International. So it was an interesting moment for me going from essentially writing training, writing resources, supporting churches to run Alpha. One of the things I'll say about Alpha Canada and Alpha around the world is they are so for the local church. Like it's crazy. Like the way they pray for the local church, the way they celebrate pastors, like the heartbeat of Alpha is the local church. And I just, that's why I was able to work so long. Like my heart was so to be in a local church, but I found such resonance with the team at Alpha Canada. When we decided to run it locally, it was a real decision because it was like, you know, you went from, I'm not just training people how to do it. Now I got to actually implement it on the ground. And it has been effective, but I'll tell you the main reason why we do it isn't just for the guests that come and the guests come to experience life change. It's the way it creates a culture in our church. And so every single Sunday, there's not a single Sunday. I think if somebody wanted to test me on this, you could go to our online services. I think every single one's been posted since we've launched. I don't think there's one Sunday where we haven't mentioned Alpha. Sometimes it's a longer description, sometimes it's shorter. And the reason is we always have to have a place in our church where someone can invite a friend. And that place is marked by hospitality. It's marked by dialogue, not monologue. It's marked by spirit dependency. All these things are core cultural values. I think one of the reasons why our small groups have this hospitality value baked into them has to do with the fact that Alpha is such a key part of our church. And so I've experienced Alpha as this culture maker, a culture of dependency on the Holy Spirit, a culture of evangelism, a culture of invitation. Like, you know, we can go, we want people to invite their friends to Christmas Eve or whatever. Um, you can do the biggest PR campaign and try to convince people to invite, but that usually just is exhausting and ends up kind of feeling like guilt or something like that. But if you create a culture of invitation where you're sharing stories of just the power of invitation and stories of how people have said yes to invitations to Alpha, all of a sudden there's a culture of invitation in the church. Now we're, now we're cooking, right? Now we're on to something. Same thing with spirit dependency. And I think the main thing for me is Alpha only works because of the Holy Spirit and his commitment to people. And so the whole idea that you can bring people to a table marked by friendship and hospitality and let the conversation move as freely as it does. And a good small group leader will guide it. And that's important. But there's this real sense of like, there's not a huge agenda. And then the spirit works through it. And that has been such a profound culture maker in our church. And so we're really committed to doing it. Um, I used to, when I was doing alpha training, I would quote Nikki Gumbel and quote, you know, our research that sometimes it takes like seven times for alpha to be run in a row by a church before it really catches on. So we're in our fifth or sixth alpha right now, and we're starting to see stuff we haven't seen before. So for anyone trying to, so we're pretty committed to running it four times a year, like almost back to back. We do a 10 week or 11 week version. So that means that 44 out of 52 weeks of the year, there's an alpha to invite someone to, or you're only a week or two away from the next one. And that's because it's like, we want to always have that front door, that front porch, the best place to invite people to. Um, and, and we've just found that even just this last alpha, like, oh, we're starting to experience stuff that we didn't in the first ones. And so I'm really excited to see what happens when we're 10 alphas in. And now we'd have people whose lives have been changed leading small groups and they become a force for invitation. And it's more kind of natural in the heartbeat of our church. That's fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing that. And and for the, especially the church leaders listening, but I know, you know, the, the, the members of, of Southridge listening are going to be captivated by that and eager mm. to raise the profile. Uh, it's hard work though, isn't it? Hey, 
Oh, absolutely. Like, it's like, like said, real it's work. On the ground, real work. Yeah, absolutely. It's like exhausting, especially if you're an introvert. You're like, oh, I'm going out to this thing again. Like, and what I've just realized is like, and it can, like, it hasn't been expensive online. And even we were just doing like, one of the team members made some amazing soup and it wasn't expensive, but it can be expensive. And I was just thinking about it though, like, you know, what we, how much the church costs to operate. And then like, you know, all of a sudden a budget line comes around and it's like, oh, that's a lot of money to spend on alpha. And I was like, well, how much percentage wise of our income should go to evangelism? Like, I've just been thinking about this exercise, like 10%, 5%, 30%, like what would be the right, right. appropriate amount? And yeah, I know that alpha is not the only, exp but, but I think, I think it's like, or time, how much time should we spend on evangelism or whatever it might be? And I'm like, well, I think the answer is a lot of it, not all of it. And obviously it extends from a robust discipleship journey, which Alpha is a part of, but I realized like, yeah, it's time consuming. It's costly in different ways, but this is the stuff. Like, this is what we want to do. And if there's another way to create these kind of environments, man, maybe there's other tools besides Alpha. I don't know about them, but for us, we're just so committed to this space and hopefully increasingly investing more time and more resource into it as we grow as a church. Plus Shayla get mad at you and nobody wants that. Plus so. Shayla, my, my <laughs> so. boss and friend. And so, you know, she's like Shayla Visser is, I'll let just, let me just brag on her. I think she's one of the best leaders I've ever met. And she's like a mentor to me. And she's like, I don't, I'm not employed by her anymore, but I'm always going to feel like She's my boss. Like there's so much you're respect not and admiration. But owned. <laughs> I'm, I, I definitely feel like I'm like whatever, whatever alpha need, you know I'm in. I, uh, I'm all in, and I'm honored to do it. And uh, I'm really thankful for the season working for Shayla because um, she is an example of a strong leader, a strong female leader, and uh, leading the way in the church. And I just think that we need to see more and more examples of that, and just grateful for her example. Yeah, she's terrific. Hey, I uh, want to use these final minutes uh, to talk about this side gig of yours, this uh, Canadian Church Leaders Network. Yeah. What is it and what's it up to in the coming season? Oh, thanks for asking, man. So when we started the church, the vision was um, serve, like serve, like build a local church expression and then serve the church across Canada. Like, I think I've got kind of one guiding vision for my entire life and it's to serve churches and church leaders in particular. And I'll just, the kind of the vision is this is like, I really believe local churches are like the key, like healthy local churches in neighborhoods are the key to a flourishing neighborhood, like a, a flourishing city, a city will flourish if there's churches flourishing. And if, and not everyone agrees with that, but I, I, I think you and I wish that in common that like a healthy church can lead to a healthy city. It can impact every layer of society. It's the best, best shot. And and if you go one step further in that argument is I think healthy pastors lead healthy churches and healthy churches lead to healthy cities. And that's what we're after is a fl flourishing of the world in the name of Jesus. And so um, we began to notice some really massive shifts happening, um, primarily a generational shift, but also like shifts in how, uh, I, let's say younger pastors, like let's think about those 25 to 40 year old pastors increasingly like stepping into leadership, um, less and less um finding themselves primarily identified from like a theological distinctive or a denominational distinctive, but finding themselves connecting in different ways, like more and not just geographically. So like I, and I were very pro denomination and, and local ministerials. And we really encourage those things work with all the major denominations and support local stuff, but realizing that a lot of younger pastors, they connect um, broadly, you know, whether it's like in the past, there was, you know, whatever it might be. And we started to ask the question, is there anything distinctly Canadian captivating the imagination of this next wave of pastors in Canada. 
And uh, there's there's a, there's definitely a few examples. We just thought, I think there's room for a conversation to be hosted primarily in the digital space that could create a thread of excitement, of like going all in to build Jesus's church. We saw so many of my friends, like my age, like just kind of bail on the experiment of, or the bail on staying with the church because of discouragement, because of burnout, um, because of uh, feeling stuck. And I realized that if you feel part of a group of brothers and sisters who are rallying together, that you can help you stay in longer and actually be more true to the calling and go deeper with Jesus and stand firmer on his word. So um, one of the primary expressions of what we do is there's two primary expressions. One is we do a podcast called the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. And essentially we just, we're hosting the conversation like we're having now. And it's the conversation for pastors. So we interview Canadian pastors or, you know, pastors from around the world, but speak specifically to the Canadian context. And then we've been able to partner with groups like World Vision or Barna and present new research about the church in Canada. It's just been a really like healthy forum to host the conversations. And then we also, like if you think about that as like a, a wide strategy, like a social podcast, that's like, connecting with the widest audience, we go really deep with a few. And so we have like a two-year church incubator, church leader incubator program, which is a two-year journey for young lead pastors. And uh, we have a group of about 16 pastors in their 30s primarily who are leading uh, key churches across the country. And they're in this cohort together, growing, sharpening, growing the leadership. And uh, there's a number of different expressions, but really the heart is to fuel a hopeful vision for the church in Canada and to help pastors, wherever their context is, feel part of a bigger story and uh, to find practical support along the way. And so we're a piece of the puzzle. There's some amazing ministries across Canada. And I think about friends that you and I have in common, whether it's World Vision or our friend Tim Day or Shayla at Alpha or, you know, whatever the groups are. And I just see God like building a tapestry of individuals and churches and ministries working together. And we have a very small part to play. We really feel like our part is, is really to capture the imagination of that next wave of pastors and invite them to go deeper in dependency on Jesus, to stand firmer on an orthodox reading of scripture, uh, to give their lives. Like it's worth dying for serving for Jesus for the sake of his church. And so we're full of hope. I know there's a lot of data about the state of the church in Canada, but I, I really believe that there are good days ahead. And so we're trying to just uh, be an advocate of that message. Hmm. That's super inspiring, Jason. I, I, have felt for far too long that too much of the Canadian church is being shaped not by Canadians and mm. have talked with people across the country about what it's going to take for us to look for and lean into made in Canada support, made in Canada examples, made in Canada encouragement, made in Canada connection. And, mm. you know, from our seat over in Ontario, uh, both as a local church and as an extended uh, newly launched Leaders Village, uh, know that we're just cheering you guys on from the West Coast and coast to coast uh, yeah. as you bring your pieces of that tapestry uh, to the table. I think that that the time is, I don't even want to say the time is now, the time was a long time ago for <laughs> us to lean into some made in Canada voices, models, examples, and to, to connect for the sake of of the country where God's placed us. So that's, that's, that's really, really inspiring. Mm. Um, wrapping up, I uh, just want to give you a free shot. Any final kind of encouragements or challenges to our listeners, both in the context of our local church and beyond who are part of our broader leaders village uh, in Ontario and, and across the country? Well, I just, 
I really appreciate you, Jeff, and um, you open up this conversation. And I think you and I are kind of scratching at some of the same stuff. And, and I think what I want people to hear is that like our posture together, like when this, before we jumped on is like, there's no, there's no, there's no room for competition. There's no room for comparison. That's garbage stuff. It's not kingdom stuff. And for me and you, like we're going and saying, how do we encourage each other? How do we spur each other on? What can we do? And I'm just so impacted by your posture. And I want to, I want to imitate that posture. Um, I think that like, sometimes we borrow maybe from other countries where Christianity had like industry and size and there's room for people to be partisan and, and uh, competitive or weird things like that. And if none of this makes sense to you as a listener right now, just pretend you never heard it, but there's some people, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like, we don't have to do any of that stuff. Like we can actually be brothers and sisters in Christ. We can actually be for one another, even if there's distinctions and subtle differences. And I just think that I don't, I do think the way in which we do ministry matters and that I, I really feel more convicted than ever that we need to do ministry, not just for outcomes, but do it in a way that honors the way of Jesus and then entrust the outcomes to him. And so when behind the scenes, like I've experienced from you and from others, people are preferring others, championing the cause of others, speaking well of others, even though it feels like there's nothing to gain from it, that honors God. And then we trust him with the outcomes. And so I think that applies to every piece of the puzzle, but of course should apply to the church. And I just think this is the time for cheering each other on for if someone's hurting, we're all hurting with him or her and we're coming alongside. And I'm optimistic for that. I, I see that happening. Um, but I think we need to insist on that, that we refuse to let comparison or competition, our ego become part of, you know, to use language we've been using the tapestry of the church in Canada. And, um, and I think that honors Jesus and, um, yeah, we're desperate for God to move and to pour out his spirit on the church, um, for the sake of our country. Hmm. That's a great, that's a great encouragement. I know that in our local context, I tell leaders all the time, listen, there is always room for more leading. Yes. I know what you think is the shelf or ceiling that you're looking at, but hmm. in a harvest plentiful workers are few economy, there's yeah. always room for more leading. So all the things you're talking about and the pettiness of it, when you, when you take the purview of our country, you know, yes. coast to coast and, you know, sea to sea and, and just the, the cities and towns and the people and hearts that Jesus loves and died for. Um, it, it, there's a lot more leading that, that can happen than any mm -hmm. one or group of us can bring to the table. So uh, just appreciate being able to lock arms with you and uh, hope all of you will check out. Is there a website, uh, Canadian Church Leaders Network, that people can look to? Yeah, cclm.ca or on any podcast platform, you can look up Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. And um, you're very kind. I really appreciate it. One thing that I want to talk about, I'll just tease this, is we got to partner with a church in the city next door to us, um, which in a wild story that I won't take the time because I know we got to wrap up. But there's stuff happening, like creative partnerships, where it's like we as a one-year-old church got to essentially marry a 50 year old church that had no lead pastor and an aging congregation. And in a few months we're launching the way in North Vancouver, which is the city right next to us. That's this partnership with a 50 year old church. And that is the kind of stuff that's happening all across Canada. This sort of like laying down any ego for the sake of kingdom partnership. And so we're tasting it on a local level. And I just say that because it's like for anyone listening, like have eyes and ears 
to hear like the new thing that God's doing, I think is team and partnership. And that requires like a laying down and then like this radical kind of generosity and trust. And I think that that's going to be the kind of stories we're hearing more and more. And that could look like ministries, could look like partnerships between different media sources. And it's definitely partnerships between churches for the sake of Jesus' mission. Hmm. Two are better than one and can actually have a better return for their labor. So I've heard. So that's that's a great great close there, Jason. Uh, Thanks so much for joining in with us today. And to all of you listening in, Uh, Thanks for tracking with us again today. We'll see you in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody.